Midwest goodbye. <laughs> Please tell me how two college-educated women cannot figure out GarageBand to save their fucking lives. Like, so many people have, a- or so many assholes have podcasts, like Joe fucking Rogan, and we had to struggle so hard and so long with GarageBand. I am ashamed. I am so ashamed. <laughs> and there's, like, a very good likelihood that this recording is going to be a fail. So... For those of you who decide to stick around and listen to my quite phenomenal tale of the Michigan Dogman, despite the fact that our audio is probably absolute bullshit, thank you. I appreciate the hell out of you. Only improvement can happen. It's all going up from here, my friends. Well, hi, I'm Meg. And I'm Kirsten. Uh, We are two Midwestern gals who decided to start a fucking podcast because everybody and their mom has a podcast. Why not us? I mean, we're, I think we're pretty interesting. I think I laugh a lot with when we and I are together, so. This is true. We do have a good time. But, uh, so basically, what we noticed is that a lot of podcasts and true crime shows and, like, paranormal activity covers, like, the South or California. But I think what a lot the of Pacific people. The Pacific Northwest. Yeah. But what I think a lot of people don't realize is that the Midwest has its own batch of scary tales we're crazy here uh yeah there's there's a reason there's always a reason so we're gonna be specifically focusing on yeah we'll be specifically focusing on america's flyover states the dakotas uh, chicago is not a state oh my god illinois indiana michigan wisconsin minnesota college educated women i promise i'm a nurse (laughs) god damn it (laughs) Pinky fucking promise. I went to school. I'm allowed to take care of people for some reason. So, yeah. So we decided, I don't know, we've always talked about our affiliation or inclination to, like, the macabre, the tragic, the dark, the ooky, the spooky, and we can go on forever. True. And so let's see how far this goes. So welcome. Uh, first things first, in case you can't figure out by my F-bomb at the top of the show, this is uh, not safe for work, for adults. We're going to swear. Kirsten's going to drink. I don't drink. I'm going to try and make the slurping to a minimum. I'd prefer if you had no slurping. I'm going to really try. I'm, just I from, promise. Just from an editing perspective, I, Do you not notice my very professional, very considerate setup that I put my beer in a plastic cup then I also put a koozie over so you can't oh, hear thank it. You. So thoughtful, y'all. I know. So thoughtful. I'm just, I'm really considerate. But we will also be covering topics of 
murder, sexual assault and harassment, uh, hauntings, paranormal activity, things that go bump in the night. Real or imagined or not imagined. Uh, So that's a general blanket warning. For each episode, we will put a specific warning. Today, that warning is going to be animal attacks. If you get creeped out by uh, large, scary apex predators, this might not be the episode for you. Okay, I just got... I was a little tense there because you, I, when you said animal attacks, I thought you were going to say animals are getting attacked. No. And I just got a new puppy and that's going to make me heart, my heart hurt. No. But okay. No, well, no animals were harmed in the making of this episode. I don't know. There might, my, my said puppy is outside of the office and I can tell he's going to start whining. Yep. There he goes. He is hella sad that he is not invited to the spooky party. So his feelings are hurt. So I guess we can't have that disclaimer, but... Sad puppy. Anyway. (laughs) He'll he'll get over it. It's fine. So to, I guess, start, Kirsten, Mm. what got you into the spooks? I don't have an origin story. Like, um, the best I can come up with is the story of how I learned how to read. And I struggled reading when I was a kid, and I had to go to special reading classes. And I remember, like, the first um, book that I was able to check out on my own, the first chapter book that was, like, the god tier of my second grade soul, where if I had a chapter book, that meant I was successful. And the first one I did was actually, like, the second Harry Potter book. Mm, good choice. Yeah. I I have a weird inclination to, like, pick out the second of a lot of books and just bypass the first one. But anyway. Ballsy. <laughs> I, I honestly thought it was really creative writing. Just jump in a story and not go into the back. Who, anyway. needs, who needs world building? <laughs> Fuck that. You, you do it yourself, people. <laughs> but so I start. So the first, like, book I immersed myself in was like the wizarding world and there's like a giant snake and all that jazz and then like from there it was just like fantasy 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 I read Philip Pullman I read Anne Rice I read just oh just everything that I could and it usually steered towards the fantasy and then I went into the real life monsters, I got into true crime, and it was like, I don't know, maybe because I started off with the fantasy and like fiction and all that jazz. When I started reading about real monsters in this world, I it was kind of like a story, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a lot to say about how we approach the monsters. We they are the main character, they are the Walter White, they are, mm-hmm. you know, the Joker, they have, like, their own little sick fan base and stuff, and then I needed, I realized that within myself that I, like, were, I was knowing so much about all these uh, terrible, terrible people and incidents and all that stuff that it just made me feel like... Some of the the people that, you know, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, O.J. Simpson, all those people, 
their victims became a footnote in their own murder. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were the secondary yeah. element and which is but the biggest thing happened to them and yeah. then I got into getting it to be a, in a more real place and mm-hmm. learning more and more about not only what made the killer tick and all that or what backstory they had also the backstories of everybody else and how it yeah. affected and like the snowball effect and I don't know I just it's just continued I think to my 30s I think too like you read about some of the things that these people have done and it just it almost doesn't seem real like it's so fantastical in itself that you just can't really comprehend how somebody could just Honestly, I mean, on on an extreme note, just like dismember an entire family for the fuck of it, basically. Skin lampshade. Yeah, know? it's just. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's entirely, like, accurate. Like it's um, I feel like I'm I, an empathetic person. And I can generally try to at least see things from another person's perspective. It, you know, whether or not I agree or anything, I try to like understand. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, it's... Even, like, even as a nurse, I still am always, like, I will never understand people. And, like, Mm -hmm. I I understand the epidemiology and the science and the anatomy and how organs and systems work. But, like, when it comes to psychology and how and why certain people are motivated to do what they do, I just, I cannot fathom it most of the time. It, it honestly, like, I know that it's, I'm just backtracking and going into, like, my whole, like, I'm trying to make it a real story and anything, but, like, honestly, I've never shaken the whole idea and feeling that there's monsters. Yeah, there really are. Like, fantastical, terrible, horrific monsters that walk day to day. And, you know, it's, I don't know if I'm ever going to break from that. I hope actually I don't I hope I never really truly understand I hope that these people are always going to be otherworldly worldly to me because yeah. I I don't I honestly don't want to understand that's, that's fair I I'm I've always been more drawn to the I guess the the magic and the crypt, cryptozoology for sure and like paranormal activity absolutely I remember so, the farmhouse that I grew up in Michigan was lovely. The house itself, great, fantastic. The land and the woods that it was built on, haunted as fuck. I have so many stories. In fact, I submitted, my brother and I both submitted stories to My Skeptical Sister, another podcast, where they talk about, like, people's basically, like, paranormal stories and things that have happened to them over their lifetime. It's a, it's a pretty fun yeah, podcast. you can tell me about that one. It's definitely one that's on my to-listen list. There. Little plug for Megan and Aaron over at My Skeptical Sister. Um, but I remember the first night we moved into the house, I was pretty young. The house is empty. And, of course, we moved in during a windstorm. At the time, there were three really large, like, established pine trees outside of my bedroom window. And it was, like, creaky and just all the noises and bumps in the night. I'm picturing autumn. Am I correct? Autumn. like that uh, that like part of summer where it's like just hot um, and like okay. it's like like second summer mm-hmm. my dad used to very 
poorly inappropriately. inappropriately and poorly refer to it as Indian summer. Yeah. So it's like a hot wind. And I called my dad into my bedroom and I was like, dad, like, what the hell? I'm really scared. Of course, I didn't say that because I was young. To which now looking back, the more that I know about um, the lore regarding fae people, this was probably really poor advice from my dad. My dad just goes, oh, it's the fairies in the tree. The trees outside your window, they're saying hi. They want to be your friends. Dad. That's so cute, but also terrifying now. The fae folk do not want to be your friend, man. My cousin used to write letters to the fairies and that she made homes for in her garden, and I don't know how she didn't get stolen. Yeah, I, after that, of course, I also made, like, little houses for the fairies out of, like, sticks and twigs and whatnot mm-hmm. in my yard. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember one day... There was a, a fairy ring, like a ring of perfect little mushrooms like you would see in a cartoon. And then my mom, in all of her infinite wisdom, was like, do not step into that fairy circle, bitch. You will get taken. To which I was like, oh, my God. And that, like, the creepy thing is that little patch of mushrooms never changed. It stayed a perfect circle for the entire time we lived at that house. I mean, otherworldly. Like, I don't know enough about Silosilium, but, like, I don't know how, like, I know that it's all, like, it's supposed to be, like, scientifically, it's, like, the underground thing, but yeah. I feel like it would sever, you know, uh, like, or die, or, you know, like, any other plant, like, just kind of I, I don't, redo, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just, perfect. Every year. Yeah, every season. Every rain. But then, from there, like, I got into, I think... Sylvia Brown is the author, where she writes about, like, hauntings from the past, messages from beyond the grave. And uh, from there, I became very obsessed with just, like, ghosts and hauntings and what would potentially be left behind after I died, my spirit. And then, thanks to a very awesome show that I'm going to mention called... uh, no, of course I'm blanking on it. Monster Hunter. There oh. it is. I don't know if anybody remembers the show say, Monster Hunter. I thought you were going to say. Or Monster Quest. That's it. Ghost no. Adventures. No. Monster Quest. Exactly. Where they were like. For life. Monster Quest basically covered like every cryptid spook animal across the world. And they went into a deep dive. And there was always this like slightly suspicious, very enthusiastic trio of adventurers on an excursion trying to find yeah it's called ghost adventures with zag Baggins. no i'm talking about monster quest bitch <laughs> i tied i watched an episode in preparation for my topic okay i know what i'm talking about and i don't know i've just out of my siblings i've always been the spooky one mm. i i got married in salem on halloween bitch she's if, that bitch yeah if that tells you anything about my personality she she got matching vampire fang tattoo yeah with, with my her, husband with your husband on the on the day yeah they're cute he's they're, cute it's very cute you guys are gross confirmed <laughs> can confirm so so i guess we'll segue into the first part of the show which is the hot dish <laughs> the hot dish so i mean i think we kind of covered it i mean there's nothing really to 
go over. There's nothing to we don't apologize have for. Yeah. There's nothing to... Hot, hot dish will eventually be, like, news, updates, mm-hmm. corrections, really cool addendums mm-hmm. that people send in. And then, you know, if you actually get in... Like, I don't know. With podcasts, like, I kind of get, like... I love the topics and, like, the, you know, hosts that I love, like, how they uh, research or any topic... But then I start learning more and more about them, so that's kind of where you maybe mm-hmm. learn more and more about Meg and I. One day, if you stick around. Yes. If GarageBand actually records this episode and we just decide not to rage quit all our hopes and dreams. I mean, I see a little happy sound waves as we're going, so I'm hopeful. All right. Shall we? Shall. All right. Welcome. This is my episode. I'm going to cover a cryptid, which for some of you Michiganders out there, I hope you're familiar. This is the Michigan Dogman. On a complete side note, I never really thought about it, but it also never occur- it never occurred to me that you guys call yourself Michiganders. Yeah. I, I mean, we ha- is we have- your state bird a goose? No. It's a robin, a red-breasted robin. Oh, okay. We we like labels in Michigan, so general Michigan people are Michiganders. If you are in the gorgeous, oh, don't oh, get I, I. You go into the. I'm Uber, gonna do it. Oh. Yeah, if you live in the Upper Peninsula, you're a Uber. I didn't understand that the first. I learned about that maybe a year ago, and I had no. I just pretended to know what she was talking about because I didn't want to look dumb. And it, and then, and now I know, and I think she looks dumb. No, I'm not dumb. Okay. We were. It's Scandinavian and Finnish. It's so we're Upers, and then if you go into the lower peninsula, the Mitten, uh, they are sometimes referred to as trolls. <laughs> My mom lives in Traverse City, which is like in the Petoskey area, just south of the Mackinac Bridge. And they refer to people who come from, like, the southern border of the state up north for the summer as fudgies because they're after the Mackinac fudge. Michigan is a silly place. Yeah. We, yeah, sure is. Every time I tell my husband, like, I talk to my husband about going back to Michigan, he's like, oh, yeah, for the, for the gushers. What? Yeah, the people who want candy. Oh, honey. I, I agree with your husband. He's I, right. I would just make shit up. Like, I know he was just being he, very innocent yeah. and cute. But, like, I would just be like, oh, yeah, the like, the Skittlers. You yeah. like those? Now, like, now he just makes shit up to be ridiculous because he thinks he's hilarious, and he is. But he's from upstate New York, and they have their own, their own set of problems. So I can't, <laughs> I can't really shit on him that much. But anyway, so Michigan. So Michigan. Sorry. Michigan dog man. <laughs> Uh, my references come from a Monster Quest episode about American werewolves. Good old Wikipedia, History.com, DogmenEncounters.com, uh, MLive, which is a news source for uh, the Lower Peninsula, and AbsoluteMichigan.com. Be impressed. I, I might need to go downstairs and get some articles from for my story because I don't have them all in front of me. That's fine. Okay. All right. So for those of you who have never been to Michigan, it is heavily wooded. As you move away from the lakeshore toward the inland, you get some 
like moderately hilly terrain with lots of like little creeks and very dense tree filled areas which makes sense uh, Michigan was once heavily farmed for timber animal pelts and iron ore way back when uh, again the woods behind my house were very dense hella haunted uh, they truly went on for miles and they had deer and coyote rabbit bird just a cougar at one point but that's a story for another day uh, just all kinds of creatures so, naturally, uh, with a history of logging and hunting, it's laid some pretty deep roots, no pun intended, within, like, the whole Michigan identity and experience. Uh, so, for, like, opening deer weekend, it's pretty much impossible to keep students in school. Some teachers will try and put, like, really important tests on opening day, but it just, it's a futile effort. Um, and then... Like, the lakeshore obviously has a lot to offer with, like, swimming and boating, like, family-friendly activities, lots and lots of camping. I personally, when I lived back in Michigan, I really loved hiking and then setting up my hammock somewhere really pretty for a little while. So, if you go into the more interesting cultural history, uh, Michigan's three largest indigenous people's tribes were the Ojibwe, the Odonawa and the Potawatomi people. Explorers from France, who were mostly fur trappers, uh, came into the area around the 1600s and they claimed it on behalf of the French. French was, of course, defeated. I'm uh, pretty sure my dad has a Encyclopedia Britannica from uh, 1960-whatever that said the French discovered. Yeah, French discovered jack shit. The indigenous <laughs> people lived there for a very long time. Oh my god. Oh, Encyclopedia Britannica, you oh. are wrong. So, of course, we know that the French were defeated in the uh, 1762 French and Indian War. And then the area came under control of the British. After the American Revolution, Michigan was given to the, given, heavy air quotes, <laughs> yeah. surrendered to the new United States. Um, but a good part of the northern border with Canada kind of remained as like a, a little scuffle dispute area until the War of 1812. Michigan was eventually admitted to the United States as the 26th state of the Union in 1837. Oh my god, this is a really informative episode. I'm the more to... you know. <laughs> so, as we continue, naturally with this kind of mixing of tradition and belief system with the indigenous people and the French, we have a pretty interesting mishmash that created the legend of the dog man. So in indigenous and Native American folklore, you have, I really don't like saying this, uh, skinwalkers. Okay. I'm, I, I'm superstitious, okay? I'm not just a little superstitious, I am superstitious. I was, yeah, when she says she was, she gave me like the minor like outline of what she was covering and I just looked at her and I'm like how are you gonna cover this because you can't even say the w word I we're not gonna talk about that so a skinwalker is basically a person who can use magic to transform themselves into an animal uh, owl bear or a wolf usually it's meant to just kind of cause mischief earn the upper hand in battle and just general chaos 
is the the vibe that I get. The belief that I was told about from my also superstitious mom and that I grew up with was that if you talked about them, you were essentially getting their attention, giving them power, like inviting them to come fuck with your shit. Can I, can I like make an adjacent word for the thing that you know I want to say? Sure. That's exactly what they say about the Winnies. I know that's what they say about the Winnies. It's very similar, but I think the Winnies are, correct me if I'm wrong, Navajo? Ojibwe. Ojibwe. Thank you. So then the French, I'm also going to botch this because it's French and I am not that. Uh, the French had the loup garou, and according to their legend, it's it's a pretty interesting take on the werewolf. Um, so the person who is afflicted can change at will, which to me was always interesting, um, or like an interesting kind of yeah, take on it. It's not the... it's not with the full moon. You can just do it whenever you damn well please. Like two o'clock on a Wednesday. Pretty much. Wow. The other interesting thing is that if a loop garou kind of felt slated by you, mm-hmm. they could essentially pass it on to you. They could make you into one without a bite. Oh, well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah. So let's I say. They could scratch or bite you and they make you ooh, one. They just, nope. like, will it onto you? Basically. So let's say you're, like, walking in the woods, you get attacked by what you think is a wolf, and you, you fight back, you injure it. Suddenly, the wolf is a person. Now, you know their secret, and you carry the burden of that secret. I don't... I'm not done. (laughs) So then, say you go back to the pub, and you're like, my dude, I just fought this wolf man thing. You are now a loop garou. You have to keep that secret to yourself for 101 days. If you keep the secret to yourself, you would be human again. But if you talked about it... Boom. Loop Garou. I feel like there's a good tongue twister here. It, it's like the rule of the Loop Garou. That would be a good one. You know? But like, um, it's just, yeah, I just, I, there, I, guess, I feel like if I were to get attacked by an owl and I like, just like body slammed it into, <laughs> you know, and like, yes. just like, just, just got, and then it turned into like, a dude. Some bitch, you know, whatever. Some bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell anybody about it because I feel like... They going to think you crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to think I'm crazy. Like, there's... Everybody's going to crazy. Did I fucking attack at an owl and now I'm imagining some bitch? Or did I just... Did this... I just run into some bitch on a hike and I just fucking attacked her because I thought yeah. she was an owl. Like, I would have questions that I don't want answers to, so I just wouldn't say. Yeah. A- apparently, if you didn't tell anybody and if nobody knew, you would return to normal after 101 days. The super interesting thing is that the loop guru would keep all of their memories and intelligence, like their wits about them, but they would have that sprinkling spicy ability of speed, strength, teeth, and claws. I don't see the downside. It sounds like Animorphs. Apparently, a lot of jilted lovers would use this as a way to get back at that motherfucker. But that sounds cool, though. Yeah, I know. I'm. There's no downside from what I've seen so far. Okay. But that's like the the fairy tale. Oh, wait. Side of it. Okay. 
yeah, I'm thinking the downside, if it's anything like the Winnie, like, you have, like, an insatiable craving for, like... Human flesh. Is that accurate not to what i've seen however dogmen come at me i'm not done yet so there are however historical accounts of a wolfman that go from 1764 to 1767 they take place in the southern region of france and they lost over 100 men women and children to a ghastly wolf i've heard this la biste du Jevoudan. Yeah. No, the Beast I, of Jevoudan. Yeah. I've I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. So basically like the super cliff noty version of this. Like, he, like that particularly attacked children, I thought. Like I mean I know that yeah. it went all over the place, but like the target were Yeah. From what I saw, a lot of the accounts read that it was like uh shepherds and shepherdesses and like mm-hmm. kids who were basically tending the family flock who fell victim. Obviously. Um what else would kids do? So Basically, the crown was like, eh, we should probably kill this thing. One of the king's, like, riflemen supposedly shot and killed it. And mm-hmm. he did bag, like, a really big wolf. So he was granted, you know, a bunch of money. And they were like, yay, we did it. And then the attacks kept going. So mm-hmm. another Frenchman organized another hunting party. And in June of 1767, did shoot and kill another very large wolf but there was like a lot in that party that died in there yes okay. and then when they did an autopsy on this second wolf they did find human remains yeah, in the digestive tract and then a lot of i guess written testimony about this particular wolf and its autopsy described this wolf as otherworldly and i did pull a quote so from history.com Uh, It was as large as a calf, or sometimes a horse. Its coat was a reddish gray with a long, strong, panther-like tail. The head and legs were short-haired and the color of a deer. It had a black stripe on its back and talons on its feet. Mm. A lot of drawings of the beast kind of give it that, like, wolf-ish characteristic, but to me it looked like, uh, I'm not going to lie, a zebra on meth. (laughs) (laughs) Can I be a little nitpicky for a second? Um, yeah. So the direct quote is, it was the size of a calf or a horse. Or a horse. <laughs> Wouldn't it be more like like a calf or a foal? I wonder, part of me wonders if it was like how far away the person was standing from it or like how scared shitless they actually but then were. Wouldn't it be like it was either a calf? Or a cow. Yeah, like it's a, it's a pretty big difference, but minor details. Okay. I just minor, wanted to be minor details. It, it stuck out to me. Other witnesses described the beast as an ambush hunter, which stalked its prey, seized it by the throat, and the wounds that they found on the bodies of the victims were typically uh, head and limbs were removed. And uh, 16, apparently, of those victims were decapitated apparently this beast prowled mostly in dawn dusk i like just as like a random side note i feel like i remember listening to this story particularly for a podcast and i was like in Mm -hmm. a rue 21 (laughs) and i got really of all places it was in the mall you go to a rue 21 i don't know what to tell you about that but like 
I was so, like, paranoid that people would hear through my headset, <laughs> like, that what I was listening to, because it was so graphic, and then I was, like, people would think I was really sick, and I'm like, oh, I don't deserve to be in a Rue 21 right now, <laughs> and I had to leave because, like, all their, all their, like, shirts were, like, at the time, it was, like, peasant girl, like, oh, cut, you know? Was that when Rue 21 was doing the, like, boho, boho hippie yeah. chic? And I'm like, I don't, I can't be in the presence of the innocent. So I had to leave and I went to, uh, I went to Macy's instead. (laughs) As if that's any better. Scare the grandmas. It made sense to me. Scare the grandmas. But so between these two very deep and interesting belief systems, we find ourselves in Wexford County, Michigan. In 1887, two lumberjacks made the first documented claim of an encounter with the dogman. It's kind of hard to find the details of what exactly happened. The only thing that kind of really survived the test of time was the description. These two men claimed that the animal they encountered had the head of a wolf and the body of a grown man. That's not as cool. Yeah, I know. It's I'm like, oh, that's that's it? I'd rather have, like, a face of a me and then a body of a wolf. Yes, I, like. I think what would make it scarier is, like, a human-like facial oh expression. My... Your fucking dog? Hans is a sweet and gentle boy who is very stupid, but he would he would not hurt anybody. Her dog has the most human fucking face and the weirdest, longest arm or legs. Like He, he, does she got, gal- he gallops like a horse. It's kind of funny. She got so mad because the minute I saw him, I called him a Winnie, and... I can't not call him a Winnie because that's what he is. He looks like a Winnie. No. He, he has a very pushed-in face, and I feel like a Winnie has a elongated face, but... He just has very expressive eyes to express all his dumb thoughts about how he wants food. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, sorry. Go on. So there were other sightings of the Dogman in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, but I'm going to skip that for now and kind of save my favorite, and my most compelling story for later. Hmm. Fast forward, we're going to go to 1987. So, northern Michigan locals heard a song on the radio one day called The Legend. This radio station was WTCMFM in Traverse City, Michigan. It's top 40s. No. <laughs> the DJ, uh, Steve Cook, had written and recorded a song as an april fool's day joke and he had kind of written the song using several north american kind of campfire stories as a reference apparently had never heard of the dog man until listeners started calling into the station to tell their like close encounter stories over the next few weeks the song that he made the legend became the top requested song on the airwaves in the area so top 10 Uh, yeah eventually (laughs) So the funny thing to me is that Cook himself is a skeptic of the dogman. He's been quoted saying, I'm tremendously skeptical because I've sort of seen the way that folklore becomes built from the creation of the song and what it's turned into. Mm. But I do believe people who think they saw something really did see something. I also think the dogman provides them with an avenue to explain what they could not explain for themselves. Which I sure. is like a fair point, I think, among right. a lot of cryptozoology explainers. 
I'm also, like, but it also, like, kind of him making a song and making it very popular, so therefore it would be on the airwaves throughout Michigan. Correct. Like, when, the, yeah, like, if you, if you were a believer, you could argue that he invoked the dog man. Mm-hmm. Okay. You could. You could. So, he did, however, uh, which I thought was really sweet. So, eventually, he took the song. He was selling, like, single cassette tapes of the song for $4 a piece. That's and then the he was... Sweetest thing. Right? Here's the best part. He was also donating the money from those cassette tapes to the local Humane Society. Oh, right. That's really cute. And then in 1997, he re-recorded the song and added lyrics after a cabin in Luther, Michigan, was attacked by a wild animal, seemingly the dog man. So got another verse. Yeah. Okay. This, which you listened to the song before we started. Yeah. I like it. I think it's catchy. It weaves a lot of like little stories together to kind of create this bigger picture mm-hmm. of the dog man, and I think. I really feel like he has heard of the dog man before he made the song he just didn't really know it's hard to make a that was the sat- name yeah it was it's hard to make a good satire song without knowing a lot about things but like yeah the vibe of the song is like it reminded me of the one about the edmund fitzgerald it kind of gave me a little bit of an alice's restaurant vibe mm. a little bit where it's like talking over music mostly yeah. But, like, yeah, like, how I said, I'm, like, the only thing that I would say, because it is catchy somehow, mm-hmm. but, like, I just needed a chorus. I needed something to, like... Officially weave all of those stories yeah, together. Like, yeah, like, a reset between the stories. Yeah, I could see that. But uh, it's a it's a nice song. You can find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Takes maybe, up maybe. six minutes of your life. Which, I mean, if you've made it this far into the show, I'm pretty sure another six minutes is not going to kill you. You obviously have high tolerance for the mundane, so go for it. Why not? Uh, really quick, I do have to touch on what is also known as the Gable film. It's touched on in the Monster Quest episode, and Steve Cook does kind of have, like, a hand in this film becoming popular. Mm-hmm. So basically, this was an 8 millimeter film reel. That was supposedly found by a woman who bought a a box of stuff at an estate sale. My dream. Right? Uh, Every paranormal cryptid person's dream of just finding proof of the unknown. So apparently she found this film case inside that box and it just said the Gable case on it. And in the short video, you can see a couple of like young men. It kind of looks like it's like 70s, 80s -hmm. based on like the vehicles that they're driving and like their hair and their clothing styles Mm -hmm. it kind of just looks like so like high pants and big collars the most gorgeous mullet i've ever seen yeah i love a good mullet Mm -hmm. i'm sorry so i'm kind of loving this like wolf cut that uh, he's doing dude same anyway sorry go on so basically it's just kind of like these two dudes who are like oh yeah we got a film camera and they're just kind of like putzing around on what probably could be like a vacation in northern michigan like they're uh riding snowmobiles chopping wood just kind of hanging out just guys being guys just guys bros being bros michiganders being ganny i don't know fudgetastic sure so in the last part of the video 
whoever is operating the camera kind of pans over a patch of woods and then pauses because there's this like large dark form it moves and at first you're like oh shit that's a bear it's not a bear uh so this like very hairy shadowy figure kind of moves on all fours and then it pauses is it solid yeah okay and then a chase gives way like it starts coming for the camera person yeah the person drops the camera and then it kind of cuts right supposedly it's the dog man i i laughed when i watched it because it's very clear to me that that's a dude in a halloween city dog costume (laughs) it's kind of like watching it like when everybody was like so terrified of jaws and then you watch it like in 2022 and you're like you're like oh that's cute they're all scared about this puppet yeah so the man behind the tape his name is mike argusa and he he came out and admitted that it was a hoax but i i do have to give him credit right it's a lot of effort went into it and there are still people who are like, nope, it's real. It's legit. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a cover up. Cover up. <laughs> and then, so even with like hoaxes and like non really compelling stories or people who are like, I made it up. There are a couple that I personally do believe. So I have two for you. Uh, one of them is from the summer of 1938 and one is actually my mom. Oh. Last fall. Which one do you want to hear first? Oh, shit. Okay, so it's your mom's tale or something from... 19- something from 1938. Both, 38. to me, are are credible. Bias that it's my mom aside. Honestly, I want to hear the mom one first. Okay. So, my mom does live in Traverse City. And when I was doing my research for this episode on my last visit with her... I asked if she knew about the dog man or if she'd heard of him. Mm-hmm. And she just very casually goes, oh, yeah, I've seen him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go on, mom. I'm I'm listening. Yeah. So at first I was kind of skeptical because it's my mom. But the, the true believer needed to question her own mother. I, listen, I wanted to hear the story first. I was a little skeptical. But she told me that she was driving home one night from work. The roads that are leading away from Traverse City and to her house are kind of dark and winding. And they can be really disorienting at night if you don't know where you're going. I personally hate driving at nighttime around there because I just don't know the area well enough. Um, So she's driving home and it's early fall. The sun had just set so it's kind of dark. She's alone on the road and she's just la 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 thinking about you know, what she has to accomplish that evening and then the next day. Out of the corner of her eye, on the passenger side of the car, she sees something large move. Assuming it's like a deer or a bear, which is really common mm-hmm. in Traverse. Um, she put on the brakes in case it ran out in front of her. And as the light of her headlights illuminated the ditch, which we drove past it and she showed me, it's not that far off the road. So the headlights illuminated the ditch and there's like this big... Headlights or headlights? Headlights. Okay. So, because she saw it like ahead of her and stopped in case it like ran in gotcha. front of her. Gotcha, gotcha. So she stops, kind of registers what she's looking at. And she said it was this massive hulking figure that she said was lanky and had to and then this is what she said it had to have been very tall it wasn't shaped like a bear they're kind of rounded fair enough yeah bears are kind of round 
And then she recognized that there were pointed ears on its head, like a dog. Okay. She said it did not turn to look at her, but just continued to amble into the woods a few yards away. My mom got chills when she realized, like, oh, shit, that was not a bear. I don't really know what that was. Did it, like, it have, like, a hunched over, like, look to it? Yeah, she said, she kind of described it as almost like walking on knuckles, similar to, like, a gorilla, I guess. That is really spooky, like, picturing it. And, like, honestly, when you were telling the story, I thought she was, like, driving. Mm -hmm. And I think there is, like, a phenomenon, like, where you, like, see, like, a black dog running alongside your car when you're like mm. tired and it's dark or mm. especially at dusk because mm. like shadows and stuff but the fact that your mom stopped her car and just yeah and like on looked at this thing we drove past where she saw it and there was also like a fallen tree so that gives you like a really good perspective as to like size ratio mm. for everything and she was like man am i really glad i didn't turn to look at me i don't know what i would have done Dude, mom, Dude, you and me both. I'm glad that you answered headlights instead of brake lights. Could you imagine, like, this thing illuminated in red? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Ooh. Yeah, that's... And then, what, did she just, like... Carry on? <laughs> just... Drive home? Oh, man. Continue. tires, or did she just meander back? Okay, now I... What am I having for breakfast? Knowing my mom, it was probably, like... When you nervously speed walk away from something and you're like, la, 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 everything's fine. <laughs> I think it, that's the walk I do when um, somebody starts waving in a grocery store. And then so I wave back and then I realize I'm and not you waving. Just, and I'm like, and you just keep turn walking. into the next aisle and just keep like just all the distance from yes. that person. Yep. Just putting as much distance between her and whatever the hell that was. Got it. Yeah. So that's my mom's encounter with the dog Ooh, man. Yeah. Which I do think has some credit to it. And then the next one is from a man named Mr. Robert Fortney. Uh, so apparently he kept this story to himself until he heard that song, The Legend, on the radio. And then he called in and shared this story. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was... I got confused with the timelines because I'm like, I thought the song came out in... The 80s, yes. Yeah, but this is from the yep, 30s. this happened okay. in the in the 30s. So okay. he kept this to himself for dang near 50 years. Yeah, that's exactly what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. I would keep it to myself. Dude, same. Anyway. So apparently he was like a late teenager at this time. I, I Forgive me, I can't remember if it said 17 years or 19 years old. Unacceptable. I'm sorry. That's when, in that summer, he had his run-in with the dogman. Uh, oh, here it is. I did take the note. 17 years old. Thank God. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, 17-year-old Robert Fortney had been uh, hunting, fishing on the banks of the Muskegon River, which is near Paris, Michigan, when a pack of... Oh my gosh. The dog man was in France. Nice try. Connections. No. <laughs> I just oh, scissored, wait. I scissored my fingers, by the way. But I... You're cute. That's a clever connection, but there's no Eiffel Tower in Paris, Michigan, so no. I, mm, okay. Ben. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> maybe not in the 30s. No. 
So he's hunting and fishing, 1938, when a pack of what appeared to be large feral dogs emerged from the woods. And he said this. I'm basically just quoting. Uh, Fortney remained silent, but the sensitive noses of the dogs quickly picked up his scent. Since he had been small game hunting earlier that day, Fortney had his loaded rifle nearby. As the dogs approached, they assumed the group posture of a pack on a hunt. Fortney picked up his gun and fired a shot into the air. The dogs cringed and turned to slink back into the forest. All except one. A huge, black dog with unusual eyes. They were blue, said Fortney. Like when huskies have blue eyes? I think unnaturally blue because he continues to say, what kind of dog has blue eyes? The big dog... Right? I I know. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Suspend your disbelief. The big dog and Fortney considered each other for a long moment, less than ten feet separating them. Fortney fired another shot over the head of the strange dog. Then, to Fortney's shock and amazement, the black dog stood up on two legs and cast a glare that sent shivers down his spine. Mm, that is I did get a little bit of a shiver. Yeah. He says, it reared up on its hind legs and stared at me. And this is in a phone interview in 1987. I'm with Steve Cook. It may be that I was just scared, but I swear that dog was smiling at me. I mean, it's a really scary picture, but, like, I never really see dogs, like, even when they're snarling, they kind of look like they're smiling. So, like, that's... Is it snarling or snarling? It's the standing on two legs I'm, for me. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Fair. But, like, it, yeah, it's, like, it's almost, like, even, like, a rabid dog, I feel, wouldn't, like, like, I can see them not reacting to, like, a gunshot because they're kind of out of their mind. I, but, I like, the whole, like, the calmness of them Yes. Oh, yeah. And I think it's so. I don't think necessarily think that they were like rabid dogs. I think it's just like a pack of just wild dogs. I know, but like a, I feel like a rabid dog wouldn't. Yeah. No. Yeah, I now like I see what a, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a dog that's diseased, mad, would mm-hmm. not do any of that. But I feel like yeah, if maybe a diseased dog would have some sort of erratic behavior of some sort, even in a, like a weird, eerie of it like not frantic but like mm-hmm. the fact that it just like stood its ground so hard I yeah that's i think the thing that just ooh, okay no thank you and yeah. that's that's it that's my story the oh my michigan God. dog man wow yeah i mean there are some silliness to, there's a silliness, of course but like also like it genuinely is creepy it really it is. is it is like i and there are, like, websites like dogmanencounters.com that are just dedicated to the stories that people have to tell about whatever happened to them, to their friends, with lycanthrope-esque creatures mm-hmm. in the deep, dark woods. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And when, um, when you listed the native tribes... Yes. Ojibwe was one of them, so that's yes. interesting. Like, maybe it was just, like, a like a language barrier thing. You know, like, they're, like the dog man is basically, like, 
a tale of the Winnie, but like in different words because it was translated through the, like four avenues, it sounds like. It's my understanding though that for a Winnie, they don't have a wolf appearance. They have right. more of like a... Like a Mod Podge a little bit. Yeah, like a ghastly yeah. deer elk kind of thing. I mean, I think they generally, I think they're supposed... I already do research on that one because I know you won't touch that one, but I believe like it's not necessary for them to have horns, but I feel like... I think it's like almost like a... Not like a status thing, but like how long they've survived as... I'm not you know? sure. Maybe that is our but next yeah, they're deep supposed dive. To, I think they're supposed to have like a very like gaunt like yeah. thing. Yeah, it's more skeletal. Yeah. And I thought... Because they have like this, like they... It's not that it's an insatiable hunger. It's just like they have to eat. Because yeah. Because they metabolize and like they, they're just like, they're just constantly burning off their own bodies and they needed more bodies. We will... Find out yeah. whenever we actually It'll, cover the Winnie. I, we have to figure out how we're going to have to cover the Winnie because I feel like there's a, if there are any listeners to this episode, they're really confused of what we're even fucking talking about. Fine. I'll say it once. I'll say it once. The Wendigo. Uh, no, thank you. That's the, that's the one that fucks me up, man. I, ugh. No. No. Things that you can summon by just, like, thinking about it, talking about it, those are the things that give me, like, true, honest, genuine willies. Okay, I thought you were about to say, like, the one thing, and I'm like, there's a lot no. of things I can think of that you Ooh. do that, like, the fae. We just talked about that. Listen, do not fuck around with the fae. Dude, you've seen my, like, stick of protection over my, like, it's supposed to be a faggot, but, like. Fae do not want to be your friends. No. They want you as a changeling. <laughs> they can't have my puppy. No. I mean, no. No. They... I, I, I considered it, but nah, he's he's fun. They cannot have your puppy. <sighs> All right. So. Well, that uh, <laughs> that is our first meat of the episode. Thank you, Meg. Meat and potatoes. <laughs> um. I really appreciate that. I really do. I, I feel like I don't have as much um, knowledge, uh, experience, anything with, like, the cryptid. Like, I've known them, and I like knowing about them. Obviously, I've talked about, like, the fantasy world that mm. I grew up in. But, like, I think with this whole, like, adult shift, I, tr- I transitioned mm. into just, like, like the real life like if they didn't either get executed or killed or you know whatever they would they would still be alive today kind of thing like right. in the present mm. and so knowing all the this like history stuff is yeah yeah and i think too the important thing for me and i think one of the reasons why I have such a knowledge boner for cryptids and the paranormal is that, like, historically humanity has been so reliant on oral storytelling that I think we've lost both the ability to tell stories well. Mm. And we've just lost a lot of, like, knowledge and things that can be gleaned from these experiences. And so, while I know I will never completely do any of them justice you know i think 
it's nice to still tell these stories. I and, think it's because I don't, like, we have, um, back in, I, I don't know, we're going to find out real fast that I'm real dumb. But, like... <laughs> no, she's smart. But, like, I feel like a lot of, like, these, like, legends or history, like, true events or, you know, like, battles, everything, they were told during, like, through song. Yeah. And I think that gave it a consistency, mm, mm-hmm. you know? And we don't necessarily do that as much anymore. No. Like, I feel like it really fell off after the 60s. Like, yeah. I feel like the whole folk hero... Tales, yeah. ...tale kind of fell... The only, the only thing I can think of modern day, and it's, like, not even, like, necessarily, is maybe, like, Polly from Nirvana... Mm, or Jesus of Suburbia. <laughs> it's a rock opera. What? Still, it's an oral, oh, yeah, it's no, an I oral get, story. I get, I get what you're saying, but like, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Oh, oh, good transition. You know what I just said? What? Yeah, no. Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Hey. So basically, this is the part of the podcast where we teach you non-Midwestern people about midwest isms or we also just like commiserate with the midwest listeners mm. about how fucking weird we are mm, true we're our own special brand of what the fuck <laughs> we're our own special brand of for cute oh for cute but um so like this is the first episode so if we have any listeners love you you are bless the Bum most that. patient <laughs> and understanding person Bum ta- i'm talking to you yes you but um so and it, you know if we actually do get more than 10 listeners we acknowledge that most people are going to be from the midwest but this is a going to be a a recurring theme in our podcast where from the jump we're going to give like a soft trigger and then like the specific triggers of the whatever we're going to be discussing and so that goes into the midwestern way a uh, confusing way of talking of yeah no and no yeah no yeah so for whatever reason, we decided we decided that the best way to communicate clearly is to start with a positive and end with a negative, or start with a negative and end with a positive, and mean the complete and utter opposite of what you think we mean. Yeah, and just for kicks and giggles, we decided to throw in "oh yeah," which means absolutely nothing. It's just like a general agreeing term. The same as if somebody is, like, nodding, making eye contact with you while you're telling a story. We are very enthusiastic, attentive audience members, the Midwest folk up here. Oh, yeah. Like, I know how much I say, oh, yeah, just in my day-to-day. And it chips away in my being. (laughs) Like, I hate myself a little bit more each time because it doesn't. It, it really doesn't mean anything. Like, somebody 
um, will ask me if I like, uh, if I would like a soda. And I say, oh, not, oh yeah, no, I don't like that. I just combined so many of those Midwesternisms. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but I, that is a conversation I have. Because I don't drink anything with bubbles unless it's alcoholic. So, Good thing you work at a brewery and that's not sus at all. Well, I mean, the, I would drink a soda, but there's rum in it. Or whiskey. Or vodka. You know, like, we'll move on. Just, but like, I was going to say, let's keep listing what you can use pop as a mixer for. I don't like tequila. Do any people use tequila in I, any, like, sort of seltzer-esque thing? I don't think so. I think tequila is one of those, like judgment of characters as to how much of a wuss you are <laughs> i'm i'm just that's... meg doesn't even drink so i don't <laughs> i am one of those poor unfortunate souls who is allergic to alcohol i will have an anaphylactic reaction to any and all forms of drinkable alcohol yes so i was gonna go into like a completely unrelated story but we're gonna go back into the don't you know yeah because now we're now we're doing the other Midwest thing of side conversation. Oh, the Midwest goodbye. Okay, so, no, yeah, is like a, okay, yeah, keep going. Like, oh my god, wow, what? What's but next? T- tell me more, tell yes. me more. But like a, yeah, no, is a, please for the love of God, stop talking. Mm-hmm. We, no, no thank you. Mm-hmm. Just a thank you, no. And, and yet we keep going. Blanket. Oh, yeah, it means nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. That's Don't You Know. Each each episode will cover something weirdly specific to the Midwest. <laughs> it's going to get weird. And I think, again, how we said from the top, we can probably go on forever. Yeah, that's like the whole thing. And the reason behind the name is because we can talk forever yeah ever and ever there's the conversation in the living room in the hallway with your hand on the door or on your car door mm-hmm. like in the driveway and then there's the, the other yeah you're in the, the car down. the car's running windows down it hasn't ended never ends so that's why to fucking end this shit we're gonna go with a good old grandpa knee slap well <laughs> and that's our show that is the Midwest goodbye. Thank you so much for sticking around. You um, can go. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm Kirsten. Hi, uh, Meg. I, I, we don't know how to end this. We, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. The, we're from the Midwest. Have we not made that clear? We don't know how to end things. Yeah. But if you would like, you can find us on Instagram. We are Midwest underscore goodbye underscore pod. Uh, if you have spooky stories or topics you think we should cover, you can find our email, and that is midwestgoodbyepod at gmail.com. I'm Meg. I'm Kirsten. See you next time.